virtually FIFA free zone in your weekly global podcast diet this week. Welcome to Hand of Pop. free zone of course is that a little strangely Julio Grandona has managed to not be implicated in any of this business even though the other two South American members of FIFA's executive committee both were by Lord Treesman in his statements to British Parliament so we're not going to talk about that apart from to comment as somebody who comes from the city which is the home of global piracy Bristol um, on Grandona's really worrying lack of knowledge about historical dates of piracy he claimed that Queen Victoria would make an ideal candidate uh, for England to field to FIFA because she was the one who first gave pirates mandates, which is bizarre. This is about 300 years <coughs> out, dates-wise. Anyway, one thing that's slightly more current than Queen Victoria, of course, is Saturday's uh, European Cup, Champions League, if you will, final between Manchester United, who were on the pitch, even though they didn't get very much of the ball, and Barcelona, who were most unsportingly keeping it away from them the whole time. We have... Three, therefore, uh, Argentine winners of the European Cup this year, which Australian Dan, just before we switched the dictaphone on, informed us now takes the total number of Argentines who've won it to 17. <coughs> it's 17, because I couldn't quite, I can't remember. We think that Milito won it before, but I remember it was 16 on Saturday before. Now Mascherano has won it, obviously. Uh, so Messi had won it before. But I think the total is surprisingly as low as something like 17 or 18 in, yeah. in total. Um, I, I got told off incidentally a couple of weeks ago for forgetting to introduce my co-presenters uh, and I've realised after Dan started talking that I've just done that again I'm Sam Kelly and I'm here as usual with Seba Hola and with the two Dan's Hello uh, I would actually like you to introduce us individually because we feel it's <laughs> of an individual I'm, I'm, I'm quite right yeah. um, I, I'm Sam Kelly and I'm here with, with Seba <laughs> with English Dan Hello And with Australian Dan Who from now on is going to be referred to as Picky Dan <laughs> uh, Good evening um, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing guys that we all saw the, the European Cup final on Saturday I just no. about had time to watch it As a preview to the real big game of the night You know, uh, Racing Banfield in, in El Cilindro But yeah, I managed to squeeze it in Yeah, both finishing... 3-1 <laughs> Unfortunately um, Yeah to the nominee yeah. I suppose at Wayside Let's put it this way I won some money On the Champions League final And then I lost 90 <laughs> minutes of my life Watching Racing yeah. Again Under a team We'll obviously come on To the Racing game later on But one uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all We should say about it yeah. Oh no I think we should go on About it a great length Anyway personally But uh, it would save us Having to talk about River but one thing, of course, is that whilst Gabriel Milito didn't get off the bench on Saturday, and we don't want to bore our listeners silly with another load of people saying Lionel Messi's quite a good footballer, isn't he? The most interesting part from the Argentine point of view was perhaps the fact that uh, Javier Mascherano once again played uh, centre-back for Barcelona, and whilst he wasn't really tested, he's played centre-back for a fair amount of, of the last half of the season for Barcelona, and we have ourselves kind of lamented the fact that Argentina don't really have very many centre-backs in the squad. Guys, what do you think 
do you think he should be given a chance with the national team to do the same thing during the Copa America? Do you think it, it, that it's going to be obviously it's a completely different team, completely different setup? But I think course. it's an interesting option to have as a as a backup. I sort of put the idea out on Twitter, and a few people cause, yeah, exactly for that reason because you know you think that uh, Argentina is always struggling to find decent centre backs, and you, you've always got plenty of good number fives. And a few people um, countered with some good arguments, saying, "Well, I don't know if they have anyone." You've got a bunch of number fives like uh, Cambiasso and Banega, slightly more attacking side, but I don't know if you have anyone as good as Mascherano as, as the defensive, defensive central midfielder. So you probably would be losing quite a lot putting taking him out of that uh, out of that position. <clears throat> but I did think he did really well. Uh, as he said, he wasn't tested so much against uh, Manchester United, but uh, he did really well in the in the Madrid games, Real Madrid games. But it's definitely as a as a backup option, yeah. uh, not a bad. Not a bad option to have. One point that I have seen made myself is that Mascherano gives you much more um, mobility, let's say, at centre back and a bit more pace. Than yeah, I think he's a lot Mascherano faster than a lot of people yeah. realise because yeah. you, know, you probably don't see his pace as much in centre midfield. But because he's uh, not running with the ball, he's not right. Um, and I liked his little um, Danny Danny Alves esque uh, yeah, attack right foray at the, the start of the second half, which was. I was really hoping he scored then. And, I, I nearly corrected somebody. Actually, I think somebody on Twitter tweeted that Mascherano was doing a really good job at centre back, and when he it was just after he'd done that, and I nearly went, "No, he's playing right back." And then, no, hang on, he's not. He's he was supposed to be staying back. And, no, but that, that's job. that's a good point about about his mobility coming from the back. That's that was one of the main things I saw. I noticed during the the, the final on Saturday uh, how comfortable he was bringing the ball up uh, upfield and. Obviously, that comes from his nature of being defensive midfielder. Now, now he had a lot more room to mm. advance on pos- in possession, and he's a good distributor of the of the ball as well. Yeah, it's you think of him as a tough midfielder, but yeah. like all Argentinian number fives, he, he he has to be able to pass well as well yeah, to, yeah. to initiate attacks. You know, the whole concept of the number five in, in Argentina is as as much of a deep line playmaker as as just a purely destructive midfielder. Yeah, and also uh, I think it's a. Uh, it's something that is going on with with Mascherano at this stage in his career. He's becoming more of a, a multitask kind of player. Of, of he can play in many many positions. And I remember Rafa Benitez uh, used him as a right back for Liverpool in a couple of occasions, and and he did well as well. So um, I will feel if if Argentina uses Mascherano as a centre back as a centre defend, central defender. It will miss out on a yeah. great central yeah. mid, uh, central midfielder and someone who's been there and knows uh, what it's like. He's, he played many uh, World Cup qualifiers for Argentina, Copa America as well in the past. He also he, he also scored in the Copa America against Peru. Mm-hmm. I remember <laughs> the last edition of the one before. The game as well. He went for a run of scoring. It was either three and two games or two and three games or something. He scored it was in two and. Two and three games, yeah. but yeah. So um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't move him from his natural position uh, at the time being. But then, you know, you have the the, the chance to use him uh, under <clears throat> under particular situation yeah. in the game. You know? I think for me, to be honest, I'd love, I'd love to see him. I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, Argentina, the full Argentina, rather than the local or the under twenty five, whatever they put out week by week, they do have one more friendly left and. For me, I'd love to see him be given a chance, even if it's just for this friendly centre-back, because I think he has the ability to play there, and also it would mean they can play this um, midfield free of 
it would be Cambiasso playing kind of deeper and then Banega and Pastore, which I think, if given a chance, and obviously they can't do it now because Mascherano's the captain and also a damn good player, so he has to be there. Mm. But if those three get to play, I think they could form a really kind of damaging trio. I think they... Yeah, that's an interesting option yeah, as well. They, um, but do you think compliment them very Cambiasso as the, as the deepest uh, as a defensive midfielder has, has enough uh, defensive ability to, to... Well, I think... I mean, we all know, and I think we've talked about it quite a lot, that Batista kind of strives and wants his team to look more like Barcelona. So I think what you'd have if Cambiasso came into this role would be Cambiasso. a lot more kind of this Barcelona way of they push and they press from basically the other team's penalty area. So I'm not saying like, it'll work necessarily, but it's definitely worth a try. Yeah, it's definitely a good idea. Before the tournament starts, yeah. So it'd be so like I'm in favour of it. Cambiasso as, as Busquets. Um, Cambiasso as Busquets. And then Banega as, as uh, a Xavi. And then Xavi and Pastore Pastore as the Iniesta. Iniesta. Yeah. And, and, and Messi as... Messi as Messi. No, no. As Shakira. Very as Shakira, yeah. I haven't heard him sing, but I hear he's got the voice of an angel. He seems not like... Too brilliant. No, my, <laughs> my fear would be that uh, in this obsession Batista has for uh, mimicking everything Barcelona are doing, um, maybe he will put Mascherano as a centre back just because Guardiola yeah. did it last time around. You yeah. know, it's, it's a kind of a lack of personality from Batista that we will yeah. probably talk about uh, a little bit more. Because it's some other good news. Should we move yeah. on to the, the squad, which was just announced yeah. before we. Precisely, so uh, we, we can talk in fact about that lack of personality from Batista ever right now if you prefer. And um, but Should we read out the squad first? And yeah, well, to clarify, the, the squad, those of you who follow us on Twitter would have realised just before uh, Australian Dan and I came out to to record here in English Dan's palatial Cabachito mansion. The squad was supposed to be announced at 6pm and it was eventually announced at about 20 to 8 uh, which, as Seba pointed out, is still around 22 hours better than Diego Maradona managed with his World Cup squad last year when he named it nearly a full day late. But um, anyway, the, the squad, there are a couple of surprising names on it. The, the three goalkeepers were more or less as expected. It's Juan Pablo Carrizo, of Plate, of course. Thank you, Seba. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he did very well at the weekend, which we'll talk about. Uh, a little later with a, on with the help of the post of but course, anyway yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the crossbar uh, Sergio Romero of Azed Alkmaar who you would think is going to be the first choice from the opening of course yeah and Mariano Andujar of Catania of Italy who's coming in to replace uh, Oscar Rustari of Getafe who's obviously injured and can't be called up for whatever reason the defenders are as we've mentioned Gabriel Milito European Cup winning mascot <laughs> Nicolas Pareja of Spartak Moscow Nicolas Bordiso the winningest Argentine of all time mm-hmm. um, that's Cambiasso he used to be but Cambiasso has overtaken him yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. apologies to Bordiso um, I was so pleased at my use of North American no I think Bordiso was always second part. anyway it was, it was always Di, Di Stefano first and then Bordiso no Bordiso overtook him with the Copy Italy or something last year. Ah, do. But if Cambiasso's overtaken himself. Well, Bordiso moved to Roma at a very unfortunate time, yeah. just before Inter <laughs> yeah. won everything. Absolutely. So Cambiasso overtook him. Um, Pablo Sabaletto, of course, of Manchester City. Javier Sanetti, an up and coming youngster you may have heard of, some of you. Um, Ezequiel Garay of Real Madrid's bench for most of the season, but he's certainly come on in the second half of the season quite a bit. Marcos Rojo of 
of, of Spartak Moscow. He's just Spartak Moscow. Who's Pareja playing for? Both, both, oh, they're yeah, both, they're both Spartak, Spartak, the powerhouse of European good. football. Yeah. <coughs> and uh, speaking of powerhouses of European football, Luciano Monson of Boca Juniors. Um, I don't think any of us are quite sure why he's in that list, but we're going to discuss that in a minute. <laughs> um, midfielders, of course, midfield or defence, Javier Mascherano, the, the captain um, of the Argentine national team and the latest Argentine to win the European Cup. Lucas Biglia of Anderlecht, who's been playing quite a few of the, the friendlies recently for Argentina. Esteban Cambiaso of Inter, Diego Baleri of Lanús here in Argentina. Eber Banega of Valencia, Fernando Gago of Real Madrid, again, or Real Madrid's bench a lot of the time, Enzo Perez of Estudiantes, and Javier Pastore of, uh, for the moment at least, of Palermo, but we'll see about that in a couple of weeks' time <coughs> where he is. And onto the forward line. Can you leave this guy for the last? Yeah, of course, I'm yeah, going to. Uh, pointing at the piece of paper yeah. you produced. Um, onto the forward line, we've got uh, some guy. What does that say? Is it messy? I've never heard of it. No, your list is a bit messy. It looks like yeah. mesh. Yeah. Um, Diego Milito, which is one of the surprise inclusions, along with it, presumably he's there to keep his brother happy and shut him up about not playing all the time. Sergio Aguero, of No Fixed Abode, possibly, after the tweets he made last week. Ezequiel Lavezzi, of Napoli, who wore a mini skirt in the end, I think, didn't he? To celebrate the Champions League place. Oh, Angel Di Maria. No, I was obviously <laughs> searching images for it religiously on the next day. Angel Di Maria of Real Madrid and his teammate Gonzalo Higuain, who's welcomed back into the fold. And the other striker. Yeah, and and the one remaining forward, of course, uh, making us all look very silly and making me rather annoyed. Making us look silly. I don't think so. We we spent. I, I think. I, I think, think making actually, okay, making yeah. in, in fact, the the timing of it all um, made me look a bit silly last week because I wrote a piece for Soccernet last week, <laughs> <laughs> all about the eight-month feud and the exclusion and the fact that he definitely wasn't going to be playing for the national team because it's been going on for so long that Carlos Tevez has had with uh, Sergio Batista, the national team manager. By Saturday morning, <laughs> Tevez had had a very long phone conversation with Batista. No, I think they had a meeting. Oh, so they had a meeting. lunch, yeah. Uh, an actual meeting. Of course, yeah, he yeah. flew back to, to Buenos Aires and he had met up with Batista, had a very long conversation. They'd aired all of their grievances and they're best buddies again and he's in the squad. So Carlos Tevez is in the Argentina squad. Tevez must have displayed some Bill Clinton-esque charm in, in convincing... Uh, oh, maybe maybe they, they got together in this room. Or some Monica... In this 4x4 four four room And Tevez probably played a little bit for Batista Because Batista said he was all, alo- all alone Batista said he was mm. for footballing reasons Tactical reasons Tactical reasons So he must have done something with mm-hmm. his fingers Yeah, yeah to convince And after that they were friends Batista now includes him again in this list And I think it's a, it's a demonstration from Not, not a demonstration but... Uh, uh, is Batista uh, showing his worst face? Mm. Essentially, uh, saying that the stuff that he's been going on about about how it's a tactical decision. Yeah, because he went on and on about this. Uh, no, shown to be complete rubbish by the fact that because he felt the pressure change. from the public it, opinion, yeah. the media mm. in general, and he didn't. I, I wouldn't say he was bluffing. I think he was convinced to leave Tevez out, mm-hmm, yeah. and maybe thinking Tevez would never approach him to try and, and, and sort out the situation yeah. to, to yeah. solve the pro- their problems, because they obviously had problems. And Tevez said, "We had some off the pitch issues, and we we solved them. We we spoke about it, and that's it. It's between him and me now, and 
that, that, that's the end of it. We won't talk about it, about it any, any, anymore. But Batista kept saying he was for footballing reasons. Mm-hmm. And Apparently it wasn't. I'm sure he wasn't. And well, I'm sure he still was, but he's completely folded apart from this. In yeah. spite of those footballing reasons. Because, yeah. one I was thing convinced was that, all the time that, yeah. that, that Batista was excluding Tevez for nothing to do with what Tevez was doing I think what he must have convinced I think what Tevez must have convinced him was that he's going to be happy to sit on the bench and play second Mm -hmm. fiddle to Messi Uh, and he must have done it in a very convincing way either that or as I suggested um, I can't remember whether I ended up leaving it in the pod last week because there was an awful lot of good stuff I had to cut Um, but I think that Tevez could potentially play one of the wide points on on the 4-3-3s that are playing but yeah, obviously something has, has been said. The one player I think who's come out of all this looking like a bit of an idiot, and it's not really out of all this, but I just wanted to mention that last week we mentioned on the podcast that Sergio Aguero had announced that he was leaving Atletico Madrid, that all of this was definite, and that we had reliable sources and so on, suggesting that Real Madrid were going to unveil him as their new signing on Saturday to overshadow Barcelona's European Cup win. And that's not happened. <laughs> and Aguero has, I, I suspect, probably now talked himself out of Atletico Madrid. I think it would be, be fine, yeah. knowing what we know about Aguero's personality, particularly you, Seba, who've attempted to interview. Um, <laughs> it would be pretty bloody funny if he ended up in limbo now, wouldn't it? I wouldn't. I wouldn't sure think he would end up coming for him or something. Until somebody's yeah. going to sign him, he'll be fine. Yeah. No, no, the situation is uh, uh, as of today is that uh, Atletico are, are not going to sign to to sell him. Obviously, for their executives, presidents, and, and all the, the, the members of the board, it will be it will be a, a very uh, very huge risk to take mm. to sell the man who's uh, the idol of the supporters of uh, long suffering supporters of Atletico. So they're saying unless someone comes and pay the forty five million euros of the rescission Buy clause, we're not gonna mm-hmm. we're not gonna yeah. talk to anybody. And even if Real Madrid comes and pay. The, the, the 45 million euros we're not going to leave him let him go I don't know h- how can they keep him if the uh, if well, the team comes and, really, and, yeah. and pay the rescission I, clause. I think <laughs> I, I've read something about this um, but there's something to do with the, the rescission clauses in Spain uh, legally have to be in the players contract so every player in Spain has got to buy yeah out. Sid Lowe wrote an article about it I think. yeah exactly and, and that it's to do with the amount before and after tax <coughs> and stuff so that essentially it becomes a nominal thing and if, if Madrid say come in and offer 45 million euros then Atletico are within their rights to say ah but we want 45 million euros after tax so your offer therefore doesn't meet the valuation and we're mm-hmm. and, and a lot of the time you do yeah. also see offers being made that technically are above the release mm-hmm. clause but which don't get accepted yeah that, that's right because I read that the government uh, the Hacienda are going to, <clears throat> to 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 put their hands in this in this situation and see if it's really valued at 45 million or more I don't know if Real Madrid are willing to pay that much. And also, Gil Marín, who's one of the executives of Atletico Madrid, said Real Madrid is not are not going to come and buy Agüero because Florentino Pérez is a man of of, of word, uh, of his word. So uh, I don't know. Maybe he's playing the the, the talking game now because yeah. I think he's they they must be really scared of losing Agüero to. To their neighbors, to the more powerful neighbors. But now Juventus, Juventus <coughs> could come and buy him. Chelsea, Manchester City, depending on what Tevez. Juventus does people have been talking to me seem to think they have, they have no no chance of buying him with the, the the kind of money that he's worth. But yeah, definitely someone like Manchester uh, City or, or Chelsea. Because what Aguero said on his website, he said something on Twitter, and then on his website he he 
he explained the situation a little bit more. He said last season he agreed to renew a contract with the Atletico <laughs> as a favor because Atletico brought him fame and, and fortune and everything that goes with it. <laughs> as the we are the champions, yeah. says. <laughs> anyway. Um, and now he expects the club to return the favor and let him go. But uh, this is something like I, I see it as a player putting a lot of pressure on a on a, on a club. And this is when when we talk about players' power. Who's who's the most powerful party of of this uh, football world these days? Is it's, it it's is it not players? To, is it owners? Is it yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially given the club are rumored to be, or at least were rumored to be, favourites to get him. It's difficult not to be reminded slightly of the Cristiano Ronaldo, mm-hmm. the way that he left Man United when essentially he signed a one-year contract extension, and had clearly, you know, he found out later on. And, had agreed with Ferguson that he would then yeah. move on for an even bigger fee the following year. Um, I do um, feel we're like we're getting distracted from the Copa I do, America. Yeah, I, I, I just wanted to. <laughs> I, I did want to mention that we we should yeah. mention that um, this list has 26 names on it and it's going to be cut to 22. 22. And I think some of that had to do with injury doubts over Cambiaso, Rojo, and Biglia was the other one. Biglia, yeah, yeah, Biglia has a problem in one of his. So, shows. for example, I. I got a feeling Gago might be there in case Cambiaso is injured. Milito, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Milito. Seems like which, which Milito are we talking about? Diego. Diego Milito seems he's been. It tacked, seems like it's very much yeah, kind tacked of on to the keep end, him yeah. happy and you know to keep him in the side before he gets cut. One thing that stands out is you would have to assume How that keeping him happy. I mean, well, he doesn't know this yet. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, he doesn't. He's, he's, the list he's, he's, at least, he's at least got the honor of being shortlisted for exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but one thing that, that stands out to me is that you'd, you'd have to assume, given that there's not exactly a huge richness of centre-backs <laughs> on that list, and that much as we've just been mentioning it, in, in reality, Batista's unlikely to put Mascherano at centre-back, that Gabriel Milito's going to make the final cut. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Almost certain. I think he loves Milito. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that it's a some, some of the players who are who are in Nigeria at present for the friendly that they're playing against Nigeria and Abuja on is it Thursday or later this week? Oh, no? Nobody knows. And then going to Poland <laughs> Wednesday. Wednesday. Right. Sorry, of course. Uh, tomorrow, as we're recording today, when this podcast goes online, and then going to Poland um, for the friendly. You've got young centre backs: uh, Federico Fasio, Matteo Musacchio, Nicolas Otamendi, none of whom have made this cut. Well. I think Otamendi is injured. He won't okay. be playing. Yeah. Oh, Otamendi is injured? Yeah. I would still think that the form that he's been in this season, so Fasio or Mosakio. Yeah. yeah, I think well, definitely... They've been playing games, at least. <laughs> They're fit. Yeah. See, this was my big worry a little bit about this Copa America squad, was that he would plump for some of these more veteran defenders. In a way, he's got, we can say, like two veteran centre-backs in, in Bordiso and Milito, right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully he'll probably have one of the older guys in and and, and one of the younger guys, perhaps Pareja, he seems yeah, to be... Yeah, the younger guys in this case being Pareja and Garay, just for the, the benefit of... Uh, right. Uh, it, uh, personally, I would have really liked to have seen... I didn't realise Otamendi was injured, but at least Fazio in there. And, and I would have liked to have seen him basically start with a back four that he's hoping could possibly be in Brazil in 2014. Yeah. Another thing that, that I was thinking about this was that the centre-back choice in particular probably gives the lie to... Batista's been saying all along that the real aim is, is Brazil 2014 and that he wants to be building a squad towards that. This team selection seems to suggest that even though he's trying to take the pressure off himself by saying that, he's actually trying to get a team that, that can win this year. Yeah, um, definitely. Because presumably yeah, he's aware that Bordiso and Milito aren't still going to be challenging 
in three years' time for the national side, unless they've got you know Sanetti tile levels of. <laughs> Fitness, and it, it wouldn't be a surprise if Sanetti <laughs> yeah. was still up there in three uh, years. I think but. he's taken the middle road a little bit, like because he, he he has seen off uh, Einstein and, and uh, Dimitrielis. We're on his way. Yeah, so I think he yeah he, he he has decided that he really has to win this Copa America because it's going to be played at home and all this sort of business. Yeah. While trying to get some of these younger guys in as well, That's and and uh, midfield onwards, it could be the the same the same players uh, who are going to be at Brazil. Yeah. Precisely. This is the the national side that we've we've discussed. And as we say, we're going to do a Copa America preview special closer to the time when the squad, moreover, has been trimmed to twenty two. So since we're going to do it after the trimming, let's a really quick question, guys. Four names that you would drop from that list, each of you, just off the top of your head. This will shock. I'll start since I've just asked the question. Um, obviously, the, the goalkeepers presumably aren't going to be touched. So I would. Start off. I'd drop Monson. Grudgingly, would drop the two domestically based players and Gago. I think from the midfield, so, which admittedly would leave you very short in the midfield. Actually, no, I'd, I'd drop Perez and Gago from midfield, and I think Diego Milito is going to be dropped from the forward line anyway. So those would be my my four. I'm going to make it easy because I agree with you 100. percent Yeah, I was going to say the same actually, and I think that's pretty much what Batista. Not, I mean, I love Diego Milito, but. Yeah, how many? Yeah, probably seven, in there seven as much to be polite as anything else. Let's face it. Um, we'll come back with having not done this for a couple of weeks. I'm going to give you all a short musical interlude, our listeners. We don't need to refill our glasses because we've already done that at a point that I hope to have edited out smoothly enough that you didn't notice it. So we'll we'll come back in 30 seconds' time and we shall talk about the domestic campaign and and we'll also be talking about the Argentines Abroad Awards, which will be a new thing for handling podcasts. Really I'm trying to get my BBC voice on. Welcome back. <laughs> uh, the the time is oh bloody hell! <laughs> nice way to <laughs> nice way to cut down time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thank you. Very <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, there was there was action in the domestic league um, this weekend as well. The uh, quite a lot of it at the top. There were some interesting results, and obviously, as I've already mentioned, some of you might follow us on Twitter. Those of you who do will have been aware that the recording has been delayed and we're recording this on Tuesday night instead of Monday night because there were two really huge games on Monday evening. Annoyingly, there's another one next Monday, so we're going to be recording on Tuesday that week as well. Dallas Savsfield dropped points. They were beaten. Did did you predict that one actually, Dan? Probably not. I, I, I think <laughs> no. You might have said it was going to be a draw. You definitely, I have no idea you definitely didn't predict a Bellas win. Uh, I don't think. Um, I might have said draw. Yeah. They, they were beaten as English Dan said, two one by Tigre, and then on Monday, Lanús. Well, Ricky Ricky scored. He did. Yeah, yeah. Arsenal fans yeah. will be happy to know. That's Ricky Alvarez for um, the the Google search engine hitters among you. I'll have to put him in the headline again so we get another 150 extra listeners compared with what we normally get. On, on Monday night, Lanús and Godoy Cruz were both in action and it was there were both matches that had an effect at the opposite end of the table. Well, the opposite end of a different table, in fact, the way the Argentine relegation system works. 
because Lanús played uh, Huracan and Godoy Cruz were at home to Gimnasia La Plata. Um, the situation was if they both won, which we were expecting them to do, I think, by and large, Lanús would now be one point behind both Vélez and Godoy at the top of the table. Vélez and Godoy would have had 30. Lanús would have had 29. Lanús did win 3-0, and it could have been 6-7-8-9-10-11, six, six, however many you want. Brilliant performance against a, frankly, rubbish team. Gimnasia managed to peg Godoy Cruz back in stoppage time and ended up getting a 2-2 draw, which means that at the moment, Venice have 30 points, Lanús 29, Godoy Cruz 28. And, and also, Gimnasia, we shouldn't entirely discount Olimpo, Olimpo have 28 as well. They drew 0-0. Uh, uh, sorry, not 28, 26. 26. They drew 0-0 with River. And now Godoy Cruz visit Vélez next week. So that's yeah, so, which I think might be the game on Monday night. Ah, but if not, then it's sure. the Lanús game is on Monday night. A couple of things I want to say about that. Gimnasia were good for the for the draw. They they really really well, competed. Yeah. It was but kind of the game. I was goal kind of gives the light to the fact that they were. It was an even game. Also. Right. It was it was the game I was sort of hoping for on Sunday night between River and Olimpo. Uh, Olimpo River. I thought it was going to be you know a classic you know a dog fight, but mm. that turned out into a boring zero zero draw. Um, but the one thing I wanted to say is that for me, I think Lanús are, are title favourites now. If you look at the run in. I don't know what you guys think. Given that the other two have to play each other. They're playing each other and, and just and the teams that uh, Lanús are playing are Argentinos, Independiente and River. And Racing, no? And no, River. 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 Ah, River. Racing are f- facing the other two, well, the Cruz and Vélez okay. in the last but two weeks. For me, the next two games are very winnable for Lanús and, and these other two, as you say, are playing each other and the way that Lanús are playing, for me, they're the favourites. So I don't know what you guys think. I, I, can th- I don't think Argentinos is going to be easy opponent for them exactly but I, I definitely agree with you I but for example what are Argentinos playing for and now and the way that Lanús are playing is the other They're thing but, but no I, I definitely agree I think Argentinos <laughs> are going to be are going to be awkward rather than a team who you'd actually expect to they've been quite good all year you know. but what about yeah. Boca they're only five points behind they still have a chance <laughs> I mean, mathematically I mean come on they've been seven, seven without a defeat for Boca now yeah no, they're, they're in fantastic form and they scored again they did, yeah, that's right. Martin Palermo scored in scored what that might very Missed well prove to be his final surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah, he, he had the typical Martin Palermo match three. in La Bombonera and it really <laughs> did. So, uh, uh, yeah, for, for, for listeners who aren't aware, Martin Palermo is retiring at the end of this season, which means he's got three more matches left. Allegedly, uh, yeah, so he claims at the moment, and so he's he's repeatedly said it. Whether it actually happens is another matter, of course, which means he's only now got one home game left because Boca have. Uh, they're away this coming weekend then they're at home the weekend after that and then their last match is away to Gimnasia and in his penultimate match at La Bombonera he had the ultimate Martin Palermo performance he had a penalty saved admittedly he didn't blast it over the crossbar so it's not quite his typical um, <laughs> the greatness that we expect of him and he scored a goal to the only goal in the game and Boca beat Lanús 1-0 they're in very good form, but I still don't think they're going to win the title. I was kind of joking a little bit. No, at the same time, I'm a little bit concerned. At the same time, I've got listeners who might take it seriously. Yeah. So. I'm a little bit concerned because they have seen crazier things happen. So the other thing that it might be worth mentioning in passing, of course, is that um, we're not going to talk about the Copa Sudamericana qualification table because the Copa Sudamericana doesn't mean an awful lot. But River Plate currently very much in the Sudamericana qualification spots if they finished in a, in a qualification spot for the Copa and finished as they currently are in the relegation playoff place even if they win that relegation playoff they wouldn't be allowed by the AFA to play in the Sudamericana 
their spot would then go to the team who are 7th in that table and at the moment Galeo. that's Boca Juniors Wait, so if they get if they go down to the promotion even if they say up they won't be allowed into the exactly. yeah that's yeah. in the rules that's yeah. ridiculous it's, it's in the it's in the AFA it's in the AFA regulations it's I don't think Conmebol care either way because of course as we, as we were saying before Conmebol yeah, this racist. year changed the regulations so that had uh, Goyash won the Sudamericana as we mm. said last week they would have been allowed to play in the Libertadores even though they, they got relegated from the Brazilian Serie A mm. Um, so basically, but yeah, the AFA say if you've played, I, I don't know whether technically the promotion, the AFA count it as a Primera Bay game, but for whatever reason, if you've played a competitive game against a side from the second division, which of course the promotion would be, you're not allowed to play in, in continental competition even That's if you qualify. It, it is, and because the other thing is, of course, the other thing it can't possibly apply to the Libertadores because they use an entirely different table for the Libertadores, mm. and so you'd think if it's good enough for the Libertadores. You know, R- River could have quali- could have technically speaking, let's say, a side could win the Apertura, mm. do disastrously in the Clausura, and end up finishing in one of the relegation yeah. playoff places, having yeah, played in the Libertadores. Yeah. And what are the Afa then going to do if, if if the team win the win the Copa Libertadores at the same time? Are they going to say no? You can't have that trophy because <laughs> you know it's it, it's stupid. So basically, River could hand Boca qualification for a continental trophy. Yeah. Because of the last three campaigns at a River, exactly. for River who have been, and, and the been thing, terrible. The thing watching that the match, it was a, a very dull nil-nil with Olimpo. I wouldn't say that we were kind of uh, River again didn't really play too poorly. It was just they they didn't no, score. I thought Olimpo had the better of the game. Yeah, frankly, yeah. Olimpo were the better side, but I don't think a draw was a ridiculous was result. The amazing thing was played far better than he has done. Well, yeah, that's in not hard. The matches. It looked like they had swapped the shirts before the game started. Like, yeah, exactly. Olimpo played like a big team, like willing to win. I don't understand why River weren't going for it more because it's, it's, for them it's a, it's a bad result. He has been working for half of the Clausura for JJ Lopez, JJ Lo, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and now and and, and now it's, it's not working anymore. But they used to be able to keep clean sheets. Now Carrizo forgot. Mm. His, his hands in the locker room before for the last two, oh, two oh, of the last as three we've games. said this weekend just gone he was back to yeah, he was lucky he spilled a couple of long range shots he let one hit the bar which, the, the, the upright which yeah. yeah but his, his reactions were back and in terms of his claiming for crosses and stuff he was he, he looked more secure than he has done for a while I thought even though I, I was criticising him on Twitter during the game a couple of times but River used to be able to keep clean sheets and score one goal mm. a game, but now they're not sco- they're not no, scoring they're for the life. Absolutely, all clean sheets. I mean, they're not they're not even going down fighting. I mean, that's that's the way yeah, I see it. That was the, the the thing. As I said, I was expecting that to be a you know a huge match, and yeah. River were, were quite disappointed. They came out very negative, very kind of cautiously. Yeah. yeah. One one thing that I saw mentioned on it might have been on Ole or on Canchashena which is um, La Nación thank you thank you very much uh, which is La Nación's sports website um, was that it kind of seemed like in a way like River were prepared to just get the minimum in this game and rely on beating Arsenal in the next I think it's Arsenal isn't it that they've got in the next game which of course Arsenal would then Colón, Colón. Uh, Colón. I think River yeah. play Colón and Olimpo play Arsenal. Okay. Yeah. I think that's the. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, but now the thing is, but, it, but uh, it's not fire. Because the thing is, I, I said last week, if the relegation fight, if, if River wanted to keep their destiny in their own hands, they had to win this weekend. 
And that's exactly how it works because now it, River ca- can, depending on what the other teams do, River can win all three of their remaining matches. Yep. And if the other side's results go the right way, River will still finish in the relegation. Yeah, it's quite unlikely that's going to happen. Like if they'd won this match on Sunday, that wouldn't be the case. If, if they won this match, then they can win the three remaining games, which is unlikely anyway, particularly yeah. given they've got Lanus on the last day, who will probably be fighting for the title. They, they could have won those three remaining games and stayed up. Now that's not the case. They could. When it, it's a fairly unlikely set of results that would bring it about, right, but even exactly. so, it's it's still it's out of know. their hands technically. Exactly. Just briefly, what do you, as I said, for me, I know seven favourites now. What do you guys think? Uh, I will still go for Vélez. Vélez. I've got a feeling that Vélez have put it off. I think I would like to see, and I think probably, well, definitely the neutrals in Argentina would like anything apart from Vélez to win. They'd like, they prefer Lanús or Cruz. I think Lanús as well because they've got a lot of respect among kind of other teams, but. Vélez used to be like that, but then they got a little bit yeah. arrogant. I think they, yeah, I'd oh. still put Vélez as the favourites. Especially yeah. so if they so. go out of the Copa Libertadores this week. Yeah, yeah. I'd, 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 if it was on form and nothing else, then I'd completely agree with you, Dan. I'd go with Lanús, but Vélez have the advantage of being, albeit only slightly. Ahead, mm-hmm. the they also have the experience. They have they've been there before True. in the last yeah. couple of years. I think what I'm thinking about as well as we talked about last week is the this yeah. Copa Libertadores, and I wouldn't be surprised if they scrape through against Peñarol. But we'll see. But yeah. Yeah. And, but also, of course, it, uh, absolutely vital to this is if you ask us the same question again next week <laughs> when Meles have played Godoy Cruz, mm-hmm. which is going to be a, an enormous clash. That's probably going to be the title decider, I'd say. Yeah, it, in a lot of ways. Yeah, and also it might give us some. It's been suggested that the AFA wouldn't be happy with a team from outside Greater Buenos Aires winning it, especially one so far away as Godoy Cruz. It's mainly been suggested, we should say, as I mentioned last week, by Diego Bichard, who is Godoy Cruz captain. <laughs> but yeah, that, it, depending on what happens in that match, it, you know, you might no, hear I mean, a few of those claims coming up. Watching the Godoy Cruz game, yeah, there's a, every coach thinks that there's yeah. some conspiracy against his team. So, uh, and there has been another linesman stopped for one week after. He's allowing a vi- perfectly valid oh, goal for Racing. Yeah. So he's, I think it's about seven so, or eight yeah. officials. So I think we're going to get to it at some point <laughs> anyway, guys. It's it's true story. Like it's what what happens? Fill us in on Racing Banfield, which is a match that doesn't matter in either of the tables, realistically speaking, now. Perhaps in the Sudamericana, but since we've got two Racing fans with us, as usual. And we'll have our weekly what happened with Racing. Nah, <laughs> <it's just>, uh, <laughs> Racing went two 0 down, then scored uh, one goal, and one minute later got a perfectly valid equaliser, <laughs> completely onside, header by Theo. Theo would have been top scorer of the tournament with twelve goals instead of the ten he has now, and he didn't count. Then Banfield scored near the end. <laughs> I think you mean the eleven. He has not surely. Unless <laughs> he's he's not counting counting double. Nine. Strakovich <laughs> has ten. Or not? Yeah. Alright, so yeah, 11. Like, yeah, he should have. Goals, yeah, he should have. He should have had 11. 11 and 12, maybe with the penalty they didn't give him against Argentinos Juniors. They, they show him a yellow mistake. And, and then, against the Sudiantes, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he should be on about 16, 17. <laughs> anyway. If, if any European clubs are listening, I think 32 goals in 19 <laughs> matches is an astonishing total for Teo Matiarras to have after a season with Russia. According to the Seba chat. Come on. But now. But speaking of perfectly accurate, <laughs> come on, Seba, you're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> speaking, speaking of of European clubs, um, and the, uh, bearing in mind as well the fact that we've been already recording for a long time and that we're 
good grief, we've nearly finished that bottle of Fernet. I think now is the time to move on to a little bit of a history lesson of uh, Sam Kelly's lifetime of blogging. Wait, 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 wait. You're, you're, um, you're referring to yourself as a, in, a, in a third person? <laughs> no, not strictly speaking. Sam Kelly is happy. Sam Kelly is happy. Not strictly speaking, because I'm presenting myself as an academic subject. Uh, if, we, if we use the history lesson as an academic thing. But um, in 2007, when I started Astel Gold Siempre, and for the year after that, I, I ran an award to find the, what my readers thought was the best Argentine uh, playing in a foreign league. And the year after that, I teamed up with Seba and won the Albi Celeste in 2009 to do yeah, it. Seba was very happy to, to join <laughs> some <laughs> Seba had a good year. Really? Yep. And, and now, um, <laughs> last, last year after I moved to Argentina, we were both a bit too busy at the time of year that it happened to, to be able to run it. But this year, Seba and Sam Kelly are both very <laughs> pleased to be able to welcome the Dans into the fold. Uh, sorry. Very pleased to be able to welcome English and Australian down into the fold in their individual capacities. Um, as we now discuss... <laughs> Daniel Edwards and Daniel Colasimoni. Um, as we discuss the, the best Argentine abroad, and this is an award that we're going to be asking our listeners to write in for. First of all, we're going to we're going to mention a few names. There, there are no nominations or we anything. We'd just like to... the rules, basically. Yeah, but essentially the, the, the rules are that, first of all, the player has to be Argentine, obviously, and by that we mean that he can't have declared for a foreign national side. Um, so, well, an example that's no longer relevant, but that would be in, in past years that I always used to use was Mauro Camoranesi, who is 100% Argentine, but obviously played for Italy. The, the only other thing is that the player has to have been with their current foreign club for the whole duration of the 2010-2011 European season. So a player who joined in January, let's say if you're a Blackburn fan and you'd like to nominate the new Batistuta, Mauro Formica, he's not eligible for this award yet. You'll have to wait until you've had another 12 months of him sitting on the bench before you can say that he looks very pretty enough. Um, So while Seb is quickly out of the room taking a phone call, we've made a very rough list and we'd like to stress again that these aren't necessarily the nominations. You can vote for absolutely whoever you want to. But each of us are going to talk at varying lengths, we might even just read out the name and not say very much more, about some players who we think might be worthy of consideration. English Dan, would you like to start off? I would love to. Well, basically, as the, the guy in our little group that probably knows most about the wider South American football, apart from Argentina, and I don't really watch European football because it's boring, I would... <laughs> I would like to mention three Argentine players that are playing in Brazil and Chile. And from Brazil, we've got Walter Montijo, who's had an who had an excellent kind of calendar year with Cruzeiro after moving from Universidad de Chile. He's a shaven-headed, leg-breaking centre back, isn't he? Yeah, I think his name about, suggests it. Anyway. He's about six foot five and just you know batters Brazilians around the park. We're well, being sarcastic if anybody's yeah. listening has not noticed. Funnily enough, both of the both of the players that play in Brazil are kind of five foot six, five foot seven, tricky number tens. You know, just to break the stereotype of Argentine players. Mm. And yeah, Montijo and the other guy is Dario Conca, who played for Fluminense and had an excellent, excellent season there. Won the Globo Esporte or Esporte, I don't know how they say it in Brazil. Player of the Year award for bringing Fluminense to the 2010 Brasileiro title. Both of them, kind of the real focal points of their Brazilian teams, and kind of heading this new generation of Argentines that are, that are starring in 
in Brazil. Mm. Obviously, the other one is Andres D'Alessandro, but we decided that he doesn't really come in because no, I mean, not yeah. done anything good in after months. the <laughs> Copa Libertadores. And, and then the third I'd like to mention is um, a guy who plays for Universidad Católica in Chile. Still, well, he did belong to Boca still online, but he was online to Católica. And he's just secured a move to Genoa, and that's Lucas Prato. And actually, he's, he's kind of more of a, a physical number nine, very kind of very strong, pretty quick as well, got good feet and can finish. And he's had an excellent 12 months for Catholic, where he helped them get the 2010 Chilean title, and then he led them to the quarterfinals of the Libertadores with, I think, six goals in the 2011 series. I think that's right. Before. I know it's right because I did so. Sounds like the new Batistuta. He could be the new Batistuta, yeah. <laughs> Before they unfortunately went out to uh, Peñarol. I can't remember Bat- Boca ever loaning Batistuta out. So they're my three choices from South America. Good. So Australian Dan, if you'd like to outline oh, your three nominations or suggested nominations. Uh, firstly, a player who's had a fantastic 12 months is uh, Ever Banega. Apart from having probably my favourite name of any footballer uh, ever my name is fantastic it sounds like a like a Seattle grunge rock star from the from the 90s he's, had, he's a really 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 good number 5 uh, and even more advanced player as a, as a sounds like Eddie Vedera <laughs> it sounds like Eddie Vedera or like Kurt Cobain this kind of thing but yeah really really uh, he, he had a few little dis- disciplinary pro- problems um, apparently he's a bit of a, a party boy which could you know affect his career in some way Famously, an online party boy <laughs> shortly after he signed for Valencia. Yeah, that's also. Yeah. Here he's, he was kind of the inspiration for Bishu. Right, a, yeah. a photo scandal as well. Yeah. Um, but I, he's been sensational for, for Valencia this year. Another guy I have a, like a man crush on is Javier Pastore. Apart from his boyish good looks, um, <laughs> he, he, as we, 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 we mentioned him before, he's, the, the, he's kind of the next generation of the, this wonderful Argentinian tradition of having these great number number tens enganches playmakers and for me he's the he's the heir to guys like Harry uh, Kelme and uh, yeah as we said before I hope to see him kind of forming a long partnership with with Messi and I think those two could be the, the game breaker in, in sort of 2014 World Cup and he of course played fantastically for Palermo this year and as I think Dan said before he's improved phenomenally in, in yeah. 12 months and even in the last two years he's just got better and better and your other nomination is um, an entirely neutral one for a player who yeah, there's a who guy just happens to have used to play for the team that you support, is that right? No, he, who's my other one? Oh, no, sorry, I thought it was Fazio, but it doesn't say Fazio. Fazio, I would have liked to pick <laughs> Fazio, who, who plays for uh, Sevilla, but uh, I'm going to go for Marco Flores, who plays for Adelaide United. Uh, he That's Fossey Rules? No, this is, uh, this is <laughs> soccer. They, they have football in Australia now as well, <laughs> as well as the other three sports they also refer to. He's, a, he's another enganche who, who plays for Adelaide and was named the best player in the, in the A-League last year. And uh, he, he came up through the, the, the system in Rosario and he played briefly for Newell's Old Boys before going to Australia. And I've seen interviews with him where he says uh, he a typical like playmaker for Argentina, but he, he said that since going to Australia, he's he's really bulked up and, and worked on that physical aspect of his game. And so <laughs> that's trying some shirts and the barbies and that kind of, that, that kind of stuff. And also, saw an interesting interview where he, he talked about uh, going out. He we, we've talked about it before here actually, where you, you, Argentinian players don't tend to if they lose a match, they don't tend to be seen in public the week after. 
and I saw a long interview with him where he was saying like in in Australia that's fine like he he goes to McDonald's and he he said he was hiding under a hoodie and stuff and didn't want anyone to recognize him and everyone's like what are you doing man <laughs> <laughs> we don't care if he lost or not yeah. um, so yeah for me he's uh, he's my one of my nominations or one of my suggested nominations I'll I'll do mine now and the first one is largely one that I've got because uh, Seba as a Racing fan and moreover someone who once tried to interview him as we've already mentioned once tonight refused to take him but it's Sergio Aguero who this great season, player for the referee I think he's a great player but good just yeah so I mean that's something we can all agree on of course um, fantastically two-footed player as well who's this season had a brilliant season for Atletico passing the 100 goal mark for his club this year just generally once again kind of improving on the level that he was at the previous year uh, Wero finished I think second in the very first season that I ran these awards by the way so he's he's one um, Carlos Tevez inevitably is the other whose fantastic season has been awarded by Checho Batista <laughs> with a much unexpected call up to, to the Argentine national team of course anybody who's watched football in England which I imagine will be us being an English language podcast is going to be most of our listeners will be fully aware of what he's managed uh, joint top scorer in the Premier League he's become along with Pablo Sabaleta one of the first two Argentines to win the FA Cup this season along uh, with uh, sorry since Ossi Adiles and, and Ricky Vicha did uh, a couple of decades ago hang on no Ne- nearly three decades ago yeah. bloody hell I'm getting old it's 2011 already yeah and, and generally he's participated I think I'd, I'd had a quick kind of count of his goals and assists record compared it with Manchester City's goals scored in the league um, he's been involved in directly involved either scored or provided the very final pass for 45% of City's goals this season in the Premier League and, and that's even without taking into account the, ma- the moves that he was part of which ended up being a goal but in which crazy, he didn't yeah. and, the, and the games he didn't play precisely yeah it's it's a brilliant statistic um, and he's now also won everything there is to win in England uh, he, he of course won the Champions League Premier League uh, League Cup with Manchester United and he's now added the FA Cup to that with Man City I'm not in- going to include the Community Shield because it's MBE? completely MBE? No. No. no he's not been he's not he's a, he's a piece completely Carlos. meaningless Sir Carlos yeah. Sir Carlos of Chester he, he also won an award on Sunday he was presented a certificate of some sort by Boca Juniors which they've not bothered to they've not bothered to tell us actually what it was but anyway it was basically an excuse to get him out on the pitch in a Boca shirt again and have the, the fans cheer uh, my other nomination is Cristian Chaco Jimenez from the Mexican place for Cruz Azul and my uh, those who read Hasta el Siempre will be aware that I do an Argentines Abroad section weekly and my Mexican correspondent Tom Clark has uh, been filling me in and more than anything I think Chaco deserves a place Cruz Azul got to the, the semi-finals of the Mexican Championship which finished last week and was won by my Mexican club Pumas as I said in last week's podcast actually and more than anything Chaco's just scored an amazing number of incredible goals this season have a look at a compilation of them on YouTube because he has a he's had a reputation the last couple of seasons particularly as being a player who scores long range screamer after long range screamer provides some brilliant assists as well and moreover isn't too fond as Seba was filling me in on just before we recorded of pitch invaders he broke a guy's nose or something punched him full in the face when he was a couple, couple of uh, other kind of screamers yeah <laughs> Yeah. Maybe Messi should have taken a leaf out of his book in the Champions League final when he was um, 
Yeah, accosted on the pitch. That would have been headline news for about a year if Messi had just come round and elbowed oh, this guy in the face. It's just too nice. I think it's if Messi, if Messi nice. had done it, FIFA would have probably been, you know, given him a one-year ban or something because yeah. it, the, the visibility of this is, is more than anything else. But obviously, Chaco has, has got off with a mere what eight match but he's he's a, a suggested player for from Mexico and other if if you a particular watcher of the Mexican league we have a lot of listeners in North America so you might be uh, Lucas Lobos is the traditional Astel Gol Siempre reader's favourite Argentine abroad ever since I saw him play in the flesh for Cadiz in a Copa del Rey game when Cadiz were in the second division which they still are I think back in 2007 when I visited the city and now we're going to move on to Seba who's got let's say one eminently sensible suggestion and one vaguely comedic suggestion <laughs> We're talking about a player who nearly got his club, you know, not promoted because of his presence. Uh, you're, you're not, now you're spoiling <laughs> the surprise. But anyway, I'm going to give a, a lifetime achievement, kind of a nomination, award, or whatever you want to call it, for Javier Zanetti. I think he's been great again. Yeah. This season he broke a couple of uh, records uh, as in... Player with the most yeah. presence, uh, most appearances for for Inter. Should also say, I think the very first year I did this, he, or the second year, he finished third or second. And uh, I think if we'd done it last year, hmm. he'd have been a real contender to win it. He was superb. He couldn't win the Scudetto with the, with Inter because AC Milan won it, but he led the team to win the Coppa Italia, and so he added another trophy. Hmm. And he's been in great form again, back in the national team. So. Uh, one of my favorite guys, also apart from from footballer, I think he's a terrific guy. Maybe too nice. Yeah. Also, we should probably mention our condolences go out to him because he lost mm-hmm. his father. I think mother, 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 mother. his mother. mother yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. just yesterday, as we're recording on, on yeah. Monday. I will. I will also mention um, another one of my favorites is uh, Lisandro Lopez, who didn't have a one of the the best seasons since he joined uh, Lyon he was good anyway he's, he's got plenty plenty of goals and, and it wasn't as good as the, pre- the previous season he won the French League Player of the Year award on yeah. his debut season in France which yeah and he, he he was doing well for Porto before that and and, and he has established himself I, I, I would like for him to move to Italy Spain or England I think he's a or back, to it, maybe. back to Racing, maybe. Back to Racing, maybe, yeah. He's the kind of guy who would make 98% of national teams, wouldn't he? He's, yeah. he's yeah. that good, but yeah, exactly. I don't see any. Yeah, I think he deserves it more than Diego Milito right now uh, to be on the list, but unfortunately, he's not been given many chances for, for Argentina. And my third nomination would be because I. Because I follow the lower leagues as well, and and, okay, and this is a well, not anymore. No, 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 well, I won't have to do it anymore because yeah. this man got uh, Queens Park Rangers promoted to the Premier League, and he was in the middle of. A is that that's a Norwegian team or? Uh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see it. You'll see it. <laughs> I think they're Italian on for the most part. Yeah, yeah. yeah unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, this guy. He, he, I, I saw many QPR matches on, on online, and he was instrumental in midfield. His distribution was perfect. Ball recovery, teamwork. Well, uh, working with his, with his teammates. 
Would you care to give us his name, server? Yeah, well, Alejandro, <laughs> Alejandro <laughs> Faurlin. Alejandro Faurlin, you will see him playing in the Premier League, you will see him on, on Fox Sports, Latin America, and ESPN, ESPN Mass. I'm not going to have, I don't have to search the internet no. for, for crazy links no, from Slovenia and TV <laughs> or whatever. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, you can watch it on the proper channels. Yeah, on TV. And especially he, he kept comp- uh, his composure through the season, even. Uh, being in the middle of a legal battle over his signing which took place a couple of seasons ago mm. not in the last season and well in the end there were no consequences uh, no points deducted for, for Queen's Park Rangers and we're going to see him in the Premier League now. Is he more defensive midfielder or he can play both roles he can be double sink or like two uh, part of a duo of defensive midfielders he could join in the attack has a l- good long range shot so a kind of classic what what we turn Argentina a number eight in a way a kind of box to box number five yeah, press a little more yeah more more of a the same, Banega, the same role Banega plays for for Argentina or yeah. Cambiaso and takes takes uh, very good free kicks and I hope he he gets to show himself in the Premier League and and hopefully he's not that old twenty four mm. years old so. Probably he will get a chance in the future. Yeah. I hope so. And here's, here's hoping. And that's um, my nomination for for Alejandro Fabri. So these are our suggestions of players. Most of the most of the big ones. Right? I think we have. I mean, you've got others. Like, as I've already said, Mero Formica. Some of you may have thought <laughs> he looked particularly pretty on Blackburn's bench on the rare occasions that he managed to make it. Maxi um, Lopez. Maxi Lopez, of course, is always one that. Uh, actually, one year I did get a complaint from somebody that we haven't nominated him. The way Drogba. The, the, the way that we did this in <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the way that we did the way that I did this in previous years was to invite people to nominate first of all and then the top five players with the most nominations went into a final kind of two week voting period. I got so many complaints after the voting had started the final voting round had started before about why didn't you nominate this player, why didn't you nominate that player when these people often would have um you know, if they'd actually written in before the nominations finished and nominated a player, they would have made the top ten because, you know, so many players just ended up with so many nominations and then one or two nominations were often enough to make it. That This year we're doing away with the nominations. We're just going to have, from now on, please send your votes in. The email address is awards, with an S at the end, at astaelgolcientre.com. If you're in any doubt at all, then please just head to the contact page of the Handapod blog which is handapod.wordpress.com and you'll find the email address on there and I've updated it already by the time I upload this equally we, we've mentioned some players but if you know if you can think of any others if you'd like Lucho Gonzalez I can't um, think of that many more who would no I mean Fernando Bellucci or Nicolas Otamendi mm. for instance have won uh, a league title Fazio's and the, Cup the one I would like to have mentioned Fazio. 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 Well and happily Matteo Misaki Catania had about 20 you can pick from yeah if, if, if there's any player for some really obscure club in some country that none of us actually pay attention to who say has scored 50 odd goals and provided innumerable oh, assists Lionel Galeano I know he plays for Independiente. Ah, yeah. yeah no he's, he's not no, valid because he's, he's playing in Argentina but yeah I mean if you can think of anybody with Playstation like stats then you're more than welcome <laughs> to vote for them as well but we're at a loss to, to really 
those are struggling. The, we can say those are the twelve main contenders. Yeah, yeah. especially um, Marco Flores. Yeah, and, and and very quickly now as well. We've been recording for far too long, but one of the the things that we've already established is a listener's favourite. So the bits of Hunter Pob when we decide to tell jokes, and so now we're going to play you the theme music and bring uh, Mystic Dan into it. Nice, nice. So to round up now, very quickly on, on the weekend to come, um, we've got Mystic Dan's predictions for round 17 of the Torneo 2011 Clausura. Uh, Nestor Kirchner, Copa Malvinas, Clausura. Um, Copa Malvinas, Argentinas. Yeah, I felt a bit bad because we didn't do a Mystic Dan in the Paraguay specials. So I was going to predict it, you know, like the number of goals or. Uh, Yellow cards or whatever. Oh well, we'll, we'll bear that in mind for the uh, yeah, Friday not. nights recording <laughs> while we're doing a Chile special. Cecilia Lagos, I guess. No, that's not. Uh, all right, here's the predictions for this week. We have uh, Arsenal Olimpo. I'm taking Olimpo away. Gimnasia to beat Racing. Uh, Banfield to beat All Boys. And Newell's San Lorenzo draw. Huracan Tigre. Uh, Tigre to win away. Boca to win away to Quilmes. River to win at home to Colón. Lanús to win away to Independiente, Argentinos Estudiantes draw, and uh, in a, well, as we said, an important title match, Vélez uh, Cruz draw. So those predictions would have Lanús level on points with both Vélez and Godoy at the end of the weekend. Uh, no. Lanús would go top. Lanús would go top with that. Ah, sorry, Lanús are only one point behind Vélez at the moment, aren't they? You're right, yeah, Lanús would be a point ahead of Vélez and Godoy Cruz. No, Godoy Cruz is one back from. Vélez. Lanús would be a point ahead of Vélez <laughs> and two points ahead of Godoy Cruz. We got there in the end. Moreover, I th- think, let's have a quick look. Tigre losing, I can't losing to Tigre. If you're wondering what I'm doing at the moment, by the way, Dan writes down his prediction on a piece of paper. He doesn't just pluck them out of thin air. I do, but then I write them down. Yeah. Huracan losing, Quilmes losing to Boca. I think that those results, uh, no, you've got Olimpo winning, so they wouldn't actually see River climbing out of the relegation playoff place. Uh, with the win against Colón but we'll see what happens fingers crossed uh, if River are going to win any of the last three games I think it's going to be this one this weekend against Colón I think what um, River really needs is Arsenal to start losing and yeah definitely which Arsenal have slipped off in the last couple <coughs> of rounds particularly and obviously they've got Olimpo who are as, as I said I've mentioned right at the top of the podcast and still with an outside but of Perhaps sneaking a, a championship if somebody else. Well, obviously playing in a relegation yeah. playoff spots and absolutely yes. Yeah. yeah, no, some some interesting. Dan, how do you feel about? We've not really spoken much about Racing this weekend at all. But how do you feel about yeah, the uh, Australian Dan's prediction that Gimnasia are going to beat Racing? Is this because of the friendship between the clubs? Or I think maybe I don't know how Dan has interpreted the stars for this week or what they were telling him, but. It's got something to do with that and also for the fact that for the last two weeks Racing have been pretty awful. I don't know if I'd go for a win, I'd probably say a draw, but I can't see Racing going to La Plata and winning. That is very much all we've got time for this week because we've recorded for, for far too long. He says as he's the, thinking yeah. about how much work he's going to have to do tomorrow <laughs> on editing all of this. Wait, look out for the, the Chile, uh, the, another Copa America preview uh, from the... 
the Chile perspective, we'll be talking to Chilean journalist uh, Cecilia Lagos on on Friday. It should be online on Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Saturday, yeah, Saturday, Saturday, sometime perhaps towards the end of the weekend, depending on, on exactly when I get round to it, but it'll be online. It won't be, for those of you who listened and maybe thought it was a little too long for an extra, it won't be quite as long as the... Um, the Paraguay one was because we won't be talking about the Copa Libertadores semis that we discussed with Ralph uh, due to Cerro Porteño's um, involvement in those. I was trying to remember my words then. But yeah, th- that will be online sometime at the weekend for those of you who just can't bear to wait until Wednesday for your weekly Honda pod fix. But from now, it's Seba has actually already left us, although I don't think we were recording at the time. So it's... it's <laughs> Ciao y hasta luego as English Dan has already said on Seba's behalf as the Racing fan Ciao from me and ciao from I'm going to do this separately again after being admonished earlier on Ciao from Australian Dan Uh, Daniel Colasimone Goodbye And ciao from English Dan Daniel Edwards says goodbye Goodbye everyone (laughs) 